0: August the 22nd, 2023, let us gather together and experience the goodness of God. I'm Pastor Trey Comstock. We will begin with our scripture of the week, Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 15, and a piece entitled by me, Forgiveness Creates a Future. Then I will be joined by Pastor Emily Larson to talk scripture and all the amazing ways that God has provided in our own experience of ministry. But first, a reading from Genesis, chapter 45, verses 1 through 15. Then Joseph could no longer control himself. For all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Send away everyone for me. So no one stayed with him, when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in these lands two years, and there are five more years, in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it is not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and a lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry And go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty." And now your eyes, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt, and how all that you have seen. Hurry, and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck, and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers, and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The adoption of this constitution lays the secure foundation for the people of South Africa to transcend the divisions and the strife of the past, which generated gross violations of human rights, the transgression of humanitarian principles in violent conflicts, and a legacy of hatred, fear, guilt, and revenge. These can now be addressed on the basis that there is a need for understanding, but not for vengeance a need for reparation, but not for retaliation, a need for Ubuntu, but not for victimization. In order to advance such reconciliation and reconstruction, amnesty shall be granted in respect of acts, omissions, and offenses associated with political objectives and committed in the course of these conflicts of the past. With this constitution, and these commitments, we, the people of South Africa, open a new chapter in the history of our country, Constitution of 1993 for the Republic of South Africa. This comes from the Interim Constitution for South Africa, intentionally set up a bridge from the hyper-racist apartheid regime that drew boundaries based on skin color so harshly as to constitute a gross human rights abuse and a modern multicultural democracy. The specific passage that I just read enshrines into the founding fabric of the nation what would become the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Both victims of apartheid and perpetrators of apartheid still lived in the same nation. They hoped to avoid recurring cycles of bloodshed around past crimes without sweeping those crimes under the rug. They desired a nation based on the African concept of Ubuntu that roughly translates to I live because you are, a deep interconnectedness between all people. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who ended up leading the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, entitled his book on the process, No Future Without Forgiveness, which also serves as a decent summary of the situation. People committed horrendous crimes. People suffered horrific injustices and violence. Now both of those groups sought to live as one nation. A process of truth, admitting what happened and letting the victims tell their story. A formal request for amnesty, and then reconciliation and forgiveness without forgetting seemed to be the only way to let that happen. Now, nearly 30 years on, it worked out, at least in the broad strokes. Forgiveness can give life to both forgiver and forgiven, allowing everyone to live in a new way. We see this process play out in Jacob's family here in Genesis chapter 45. Joseph's brothers committed a crime against him so famous that it has its own Broadway musical. Jealous of his relationship with their father, the other sons of Jacob knock out Joseph, sell him to slavers, and tell their father that he died. For a while, things for Joseph only degrade. He ends up in prison and uh, faces death many times. But eventually, he works his way up to a highly respected position in Egypt. Things only go marginally better for his brothers. They remain in their father's house, but a famine forces them to seek help in foreign lands. Joseph's respected position and his brother's near starvation bring them back into contact. And then the question on the table becomes one of survival. Without Joseph's help, the rest of God's people, at that point solely made up of Jacob's family, will die out. Without forgiveness, they too have no future. As it says in Genesis chapter 45, God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh. And a lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Genesis 45, verses 7 and 8. Joseph does forgive, and in doing so, gives them a future. Here we glimpse Joseph's spiritual superpower, processing the trauma, staying connected to God, and not letting past harms hold him back. He's no longer a slave. Now he has risen to the administrator of all Egypt even though he suffered. He can see how God has used that suffering, and how he can help God's people, even if they don't deserve it. If you survey the Old Testament, Joseph stands out as one of the few unblemished characters. He never wavers in his faith, or has complicated romantic relationships, or sells out God's people for earthly power. His only sin seems to be being a mildly braggy teenager. His forgiving his family stands in that line of faithful accomplishments. He had every right to turn them away. They harmed him. And they weren't Egyptian, and thus had no claim on the grain. He decided to not let those things stand in the way, and his family survives. For their part, the brothers never assumed that they deserved forgiveness. When Joseph reveals himself, they blanch, expecting the other shoe to drop. As it says in Genesis chapter 45, verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph! Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. This silence speaks volumes. To me, it reads as a recognition of the harm and that they cannot expect any good going forward. Their minds race with the recognition that because of what they did, they doomed God's people. No doubt they lived a lifetime in that silence, as all hope drained away. That moment is its own kind of worthless confession. Thanks be to God, and God working in Joseph, their nightmare scenario of causing the death of God's people doesn't play out. They get forgiven. Their world continues turning. This isn't just about nation-states or biblical families. Anytime we forgive, we tear down a wall. We lessen the number of grudges poisoning our world. We open another opportunity for us and those around us to live fuller lives. The brokenness of modernity thrives on hate. But in forgiving, we take away some of that hate's potency. We forge new ways for God's people to thrive. However, we won't always be in the forgiver column, we will also need forgiveness and won't deserve it. In those times, we need to recognize forgiveness as an undeserved gift, confess the wrong, and then hope. Maybe the person on the other side will offer us a future. Fantastic. Let me make sure that all oh, my, my settings are right. Yes. Check, 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 check. Testing one, two, three. That is skosh. Hey, right. you ready to do a show? Me too. As you just heard in the piece, one of the directions I, I took with this is the kind of, not kind of, is this like liberating view of forgiveness, right? That forgiveness, you know, feels, you know, at least for me can, feel really unnatural and, frankly, unjust, right? To offer forgiveness isn't a way um, to let go of a kind of material justice, and yet it can be what lets the world live. And we, we see, like, it plays out in... Really beautiful fashion here with Joseph, right? Joseph's forgiving his family literally saves God's family from God. You know, at this point, the whole of God's people is one family. It saves that one family. Saves literally saves God's people from dying. And then the other, the other version, like not version, but kind of expanding it in the sermon is looking at this idea of divine provision from this incredibly unexpected place. And all of it hinges on, on Joseph's forgiveness, right? You have shown up in a faraway land, right? Um, and who do you come across but the brother that you sold into slavery has now risen to the Lord of all Egypt, and 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 so i really think that key moment in this whole scripture is is the two beats i am joseph your brother is my father still alive oh
1: yeah. <laughs> i right. love that you pointed that out, and I, it made me do a deeper dive of the scripture here, yeah, because I had never thought of that that record scratch moment yeah. that the brothers must have had in their head of, oh heck, this is you know time for our eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Fortunately, yeah. Joseph didn't want everyone going around toothless and blind and, and chose forgiveness. But, you know, the deep dive that I did of scripture here, you know, when it says that his brothers couldn't respond because they were, they were terrified because they were dismayed. Um, did you know that that is the same phrase that the Israelites use when they first are facing the Philistines and Goliath no, comes I out? No, I didn't
0: know that. Oh my gosh. So
1: before they, you know, David hey. shows up when Saul and the Israelites are facing the Philistine army and out comes Goliath and gives this big challenge. That is the same phrase. Of, <laughs> and they couldn't respond because they were so terrified. Right. Same reaction from Joseph's right. brothers because this is literally, okay, now we've doomed our entire family. Right.
0: They're all, all, all of
1: the generations. They're all you know out of luck now because they're dependent upon this charity from Egypt and now it all comes down to Joseph.
0: Well, and I, I brought this up in the sermon, right? So part of what makes the makes Jerusalem and the Holy Land, the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, whatever word you want to use it for right now, I guess right now it's the land of Canaan um, in this, where we are in the story. But like, it's the crossroads between the two major empires, right? Whether that Egypt is this kind of perennial power um, and then whoever's running... You know, Iraq, Iran today, Mesopotamia today, is it Sumer, is it Assyria, is it Babylon, do we even need to differentiate between all of those, right, like, and so they could have gone one, you know, if you are in the land of Canaan, you can go one of two, because you're on this major trade route, and you're constantly getting conquered by one of these people, because you know, they go a-fighting, and eventually like, the Greeks show up from the Aegean and the Romans come, but like, at this point in history, that's literally thousands of years into the future. Right? Um, you know, this is probably like, you know, 2,000 B.C., like 4,000 years ago, and so Julius Caesar is not even a glimmer, you know, uh, right? Like, you know, the Trojan War hasn't even happened yet. Um, Homer ain't writing, um, this way pretty. This is old. Um, you're on this major trade route between the two of them, and so you kind of you pick one. Am I gonna go to Mesopotamia, Syria, Babylon, or am I gonna go to Egypt? And they chose and Egypt, right? They it's picked a coin flip. Egypt. They picked <laughs> Egypt, right? And, and because of the nature of travel in that time, the sunk cost, right? Like if this doesn't work out, this doesn't work out. And right? then they're like, sunk,
1: not they're just sunk. for them but their families. They're right. like this will put them into poverty. This famine is well, will their right? like, the line, Right? You know,
0: Jacob can't. Jacob can't be spring chicken. Right? We keep going. Is my father still alive? Is the thing Joseph says like four times? Right? Like, right. Um, like yeah, it's doomed. They're doomed. They're doomed. Right? Like they uh, have in that moment. It is. That like all of the worst case scenarios play out mm-hmm. and that like, we've come all this way. We can't survive a journey. We're, we're going to have a hard time making it back. We can't then go to Mesopotamia, Syria, Babylon, right? Like we're not that that's a, you know, that's a journey of months. Right. right? Was, and
1: that's, that's if this brother chooses to just let them go, right? even, right? Because right. He could Joseph just didn't him. even have to do that. Right. He could just have him
0: killed. Just or have thrown him. in prison. He didn't even have to do it himself, right? He is the right. lord of all Egypt, uh, you know. And he the... would have been justified right. in oh, doing yeah. that because oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> of what yeah. they had done to him, right?
0: Right, yeah. So there's the, like, they have no right to the grain. They have no right to his forgiveness. And this is the ancient world, and he's a powerful government official. This can go... Any kind of way, uh, Joseph wants it to go right. In uh, role-playing terms, right? Sometimes uh, a a GM, a game master, um, can go uh, commit an action as hard as they like, right? If uh, (laughs) if someone fails a roll badly enough, um, a GM can counter the player as hard as they like, right? This is they have you know they have rolled a one, right? Whatever system you're rolling in, right? Like. (laughs) <laughs> they have just, they have they have rolled straight ones and where they they have picked in that moment the wrong place where now at absolute random what could be potentially the worst person and there they are dead to right dead they are dead <laughs> dead. dead just dead and then they're not right because, because joseph, joseph chose
1: Because Joseph chose
0: forgiveness. He chose forgiveness, Mm -hmm. and in choosing forgiveness also becomes an aspect of divine providence, right? Right. Of, Of an aspect of God providing, right? That this is about as random, right? We see as random, right? Obviously, this is watching God play chess, right? Right. What we see as random is God working three moves ahead, or a thousand moves ahead, right? Right. That... Um, they committed a horrific crime against Joseph. That, in part because of God and in part because of Joseph, right? Joseph is, you know, I bring this up a little bit, but, like, Joseph is this, like, prototypical hero. Um, In a book that doesn't actually have as many heroes as you think, Right, true <laughs> heroes. Right, like, right. like truly good people. This is one of those like, um, like, like Jesus' dad is named Joseph too, um, because he is also a hero. just
1: the good guy. Yes, you don't see guy. the moral failings that you right. see in the other heroes that we say, in you know David or whoever.
0: Right, and, and um, like, th- those guys are heroes too, but they're complicated. Joseph after being kind of a braggy teenager is uncomplicated. Yeah. He just does. And so part of what happens is Joseph gets the literal whatever kicked out of him. Um, and he never takes his eye off the prize. Right. Right. He, you know, consistently stays faithful to God. Right. Um, you have this, this scene um, earlier where Potiphar's wife Um, The guy who bought Joseph, Um, Joseph is his slave, but he's Joseph. And so he's risen, even as a slave, has risen to a high position in Potiphar's house because of (laughs) course he has so much so that like Potiphar just looks at Joseph like, Hey, you want to take care of all that? And just like, yeah, dog, I got this. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he's just like, he's this high position in Potiphar's house. Um, He's running the household um, and Potiphar's wife, for whatever reason, maybe Joseph's a really good-looking guy, I don't know, um, uh, wants to sexually entrap him. Um, and Joseph, being Joseph, is like, no, 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 no. And so she, like, works harder and harder to entrap him. It's how he ends up in prison, because, you know, she tries to trap him, he runs away, in running away, however this works, he loses all leaves, of his clothes. Leaves with a garment, yeah. It, uh, so garment is a somewhat of a misnomer. He's naked. Yeah, yeah. there are no, like you don't like there are not other clothes. Right. He he's naked. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I, he's naked, and I have his clothes. Um, yep. But right. even in that test, right.
1: we see Joseph standing firm and following God and doing what is right. Um. And and it just shows in that character of Joseph through yep. all of this through this final interaction with him and his brothers and, and the next where he, you know, is reunited with his father and, and gives them this place of safety for him and his brothers and his, you know, all of their children and grandchildren and livestock. And they all get to come to Egypt um, and, and live out this idea of Ubuntu, right? Right, That that idea of Ubuntu that, that you
0: referenced. Right. That He really, he really like opens that up for them that, he right you know, you know I am Joseph your brother is my father still alive right like yes. we are he in reintroducing himself immediately essentially says a he so in a Hebrew version like it is very like we are a clan, right? Like yes. we are the twelve tribes. We are We are a the clan.
1: tribe. We are, we are an us. The, we, are we are the in we. us.
0: This is this is like you know in African culture we were talk about in in certain African cultures we talk about Ubuntu. Um, here we are. I guess that's the Swahili word, but like we have this yeah. concept of Ubuntu. Um of, Hebrew, I am because we are. I am because we are. The, the, right. the collective connectedness of humanity. And in Hebrew culture, it is, we are this family. We are God's people. We are this. And that's what he leads with, right? Um, I am Joseph, your brother. Is my father still alive? Um, and even then, they're like, how is this going to go? Mm-hmm. And like, so you see that, like, you certainly part of this story is just a an important hero story for a, certainly for a people who keep finding themselves in exile. And I'll come back to that in a second. Um, but also you see God playing 3D chess. Of, okay, <laughs> my people are going to need providing for. And my people are about to be absolute idiots. Okay. I see your move. I have a counter for it. Mm-hmm. I am not going to let you destroy this family. You're going to try really hard. You're fixing to try real hard to destroy this family. I am not going to let you destroy this family because I can put Joseph... I know that Joseph is going to do these things. I know the character. It's God, right? I know the character of Joseph. I know that he will stay with me and I will stay with him. And so when the time comes someone in this equation will do the right thing. And this is the, like the, the what feels like the random, you know, the unexpectedness of God, uh, is actually to me, God playing 3d chess.
1: It's that good provision of God.
0: Yeah. That, so that's the, like, and I think we've talked about this before, but that's the, so there's the line we did Romans eight, not that long we, as a scripture, not that long ago. Um, And there's that line in Romans 8 that is like, all things work together for your good. And it's easy to get really hung up on that because like, no, some things are bad. Getting sold into slavery is bad, but God can take that bad thing and use it. So you're sold into slavery. Okay. Well, you might end up the prime minister of Egypt if you can stay faithful. Um, And end up, you know, providing Ubuntu, providing literally salvation uh, for for God's family, for the whole people of God.
1: And it's because of that faithfulness of Joseph. It's because Joseph stayed true to to the character that God wished for him to have. Um, Because if Joseph had chosen to stray, if Joseph had chosen not to forgive, you know, there's that phrase about forgiveness that... Um, withholding forgiveness is like drinking poison yeah. and expecting the other mean. person to die. Yeah. huh? Right. Um, would have done Joseph no good. And it, not that it was without grief. Right. I mean, there was a lot of grief and wailing. There was a lot of falling on necks and embracing one another yeah. at the end. There was a lot of crying from Joseph so that other people in the household heard it. Yeah. Um, it was not without hurt on Joseph's part.
0: Well, there's, but... there's huge. Emo- yeah. You sense that huge emotion from him.
1: Mm hmm. But to be able to move yeah. with that emotion, past that emotion, to be able to use that emotion to make the forgiveness that much more meaningful, to make it that much more worthwhile, a thing of having, um, to, to restore that community, to
0: restore that relationship,
1: to, to be that tribe, that family again.
0: And so this is where I, you know, I often pause and remember not when this story comes from because this story was a campfire story long before it was written, like for a thousand years before it was written down, mm-hmm. right? You know, this is, um, you know, this story predates written Hebrew, right. for instance, right? Like this is, <laughs> the, 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 this story is at the dawn of ri- written language, right? So it's a campfire story. Um, it gets, most likely gets written down into the form that we call Genesis during the exile. And this is where Joseph, Esther, and Daniel become really important heroes. Because the thing that Joseph, Esther, and Daniel have in common is, is how do you navigate being an exile? How do you navigate being a prominent voice in not your country? How do you stay faithful in these kind of situations? And those three heroes, those three biblical figures, Joseph, Esther, and Daniel, take on that role, right? So you have, you know, oh, what what do you do if Nebuchadnezzar throws you the lions? You're going to be fine. What happens when your cool friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Not enough kids named Abednego. Um, (laughs) We need more. Like, there was a time where you could be named Shadrach we should bring them back like you know <laughs> there are not enough abednego's and Meshach's around all i guess so yeah <laughs> it's not enough like i you know i have a thomas and Nestor and i am done but i swear to god i i i would name it, i would name a kid shadrach that's just a good name <laughs> right okay all that aside um, like what do you do when you get thrown in the fiery furnace what happens when you are so faithful right? That's all those stories, right? Right. You are so
1: faithful that you are persecuted. You are thrown into a furnace. You are thrown into a lion's den. You are, you know, whatever the case may be. What What do do you you do?
0: What do you do if Haman is going to kill your people and you win a beauty contest, right? Right. Um, what do you do when you find yourself in prison and you get a dream oracle, right? Right. Um, what's particularly interesting about the Joseph story if you think about the context of exile, right? So you have the people that get exiled and then you have the people that are still back at home. Not everyone goes, right? And so there's this edge to the Joseph story getting written down in current form during the exile. You can hear the author going, we have a story for this, right? Mm -hmm. Let us make sure, because this is like, if you read, this is like 10%, this story is like 10% of Genesis. Right. right. It is chapter after chapter of – because we just read like this one 15-verse snippet. But like it is several chapters of dramatic irony and we're not even bringing up the whole bit where like he hides jewelry. Like they go and they get away. Right, and they come back back, and then then they leave Benjamin. Yes, all the things. And they go back and get Benjamin and then leave Benjamin. Like it's this – like, but like Genesis like whatever, 49, 50 chapters. This is like seriously – 10% of Genesis. We created Mm -hmm. the whole world in a chapter. And this is like five. Okay? Right? Like I was talking I was doing a Bible study on the Noah story earlier today. Um, And it's like three chapters. We kill off the majority of humanity and repopulate the earth in three chapters. This is like five chapters. And it's Um, one family,
1: one tribe. But this is how you keep a people of God together is with a... An origin story, right? But, like,
0: zooming in at such the micro level of we're going to forgive each other like Joseph did. (laughs) Just as that's how God provided us for us then is how we're going to do it now. We're not coming apart now right? Because you can imagine, like, there's some people at home, there's some people in exile, the people who got sent into exile, and the people responsible for the sending into exile are now in exile together, and you can imagine that that is awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, hi, this is your fault that we're here, right? And so, like, like, this story is really, like, important about thinking about, like, a future of forgiveness and the, like, incredible ways that God constructs reality to provide for God's people. But like and we are an audience. We are always an audience for this. And we're not but like I love thinking about the original audience for the written version of the story. You can you know, you can just like the we're going to slow this way down.
1: And you're really going to pay attention because oh, I this. really need you to hear this. Are you F- paying attention? forgiveness yes. people
0: forgiveness forgiveness. so that we don't all die yeah forgiveness and faithfulness. <laughs> faithfulness in exile joseph esther daniel right and forgiveness so we don't all die we yeah. could so it is stay together as a people right that's why we write this down write any of this down now is to now six you know fourteen hundred years ago, write down in exile, right? Is this like tool for holding the people together, right? When you are no longer around those campfires of your ancestors, that's the time when you write it down. Because it now becomes important to not lose it. Right? Yes. When you were just the people living in the land together, you were never gonna lose your stories. You write them down when they're at risk of being lost, right? Like the you know, this is a way lesser version of this, but like the Grimm's fairy tales get written down as Germany modernizes. Right. Right. So like, we're just living in a, like a more modern world and we're no longer sitting around and telling these stories in the same ways. We have a mass media, we have, you know, the printing press we have, you know, and so they take the time, the Grimm's brothers take the time to write the stories down so they don't, aren't lost. I, uh, Um, read Barracoon by Zora Neale Hurston. This was her interviewing the last living slave um, or the last living person imported from Africa as a slave because there's this, like, weird, highly illegal... It was always horrific, and this was also horrific and illegal, um, slave ship that went in, like, the mid-1800s, shortly before the Civil War, um, and brought back a load of slaves. Now, importation of slaves has been banned for... 50 years. I'm going to make numbers up. I think it was 1808. Don't quote me on that. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to Google it. Fact-checking ruins podcasts. Um, But, like, early 1800s, importation of slaves is banned. Um, But this guy does an illegal thing, and um, uh, Kujo uh, was the last living guy from that ship. Um, And so he was the last living person who knew both Africa and in living in Africa as a free person, being enslaved, and making the Middle Passage to the United States. Um, and she interviews him in, like, the 1920s. Um, so that that story would not be lost, right? She does, a, yeah. you know, she's novelist, but she's also ethnographer. And so she does this, like, you know, and she, like, keeps bringing him, like peaches uh or eating peaches with him and then like some days he wants to talk to her and some days he doesn't and then like it's it's a it's, it's a really great book um it was actually like kind of a lost work that then only recently got published anyways all of this is to say in those like when the stories are at risk of being lost is when you write them down and so that's you know the the first five books of the old testament that we know the pentateuch the torah um that is where they come from um Particularly the like story Genesis and Exodus as written books again right. that's not where these stories come from these stories are you know story of Noah is hard to date the story of Abraham is not hard to date it's 4,000 years ago and this yes. is only you know a couple generations three generations on from Abraham so we're talking you know 19 so 3,900 years ago so that's where these stories date to but they get written down at a time, focus, look at me, we're not going to die.
1: <laughs> pay attention, <We're>, people. <laughs> pay
0: attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it, that's also helpful, that like they needed to hear it and so do we, right? We need to hear that God provides, not necessarily from like a sky beam, like a Marvel movie where like a sky beam comes down and then stuff happens, right? <laughs> but sometimes because of the, seemingly random or the least likely people that god have placed in my life and so there's like this strong edge to me that we need to hear like of you know don't judge a book by its cover don't you know but also you know for it turns out forgiveness is liberating for everybody forgiveness is the only way we're gonna live um that seems as good a place as anywhere to take a break uh we're gonna be back uh, with our segment "How to Restart a Church" and more stories about about actually about God providing about about what seems random to us and is actually God's three D chess of making church happen. We'll be right back. And we're back uh, with a segment that we call "How to Restart a Church." Um, and actually, this seemed like a really good scripture a really good night to talk about that like in the end how you restart a church how churches grow how churches survive is by the random acts of god's providence that like is the like it turns out that your brother has become the lord of all egypt and he's forgiven you (laughs) so random um in the sermon uh i talked about you know all the time like i always need worship leaders uh, worship leaders are an incredi- in contemporary church is an incredibly valuable skill set, and I'm often in, like, towns of 1,100 people, and, like, how do you find a worship leader? You don't. God just sends you one, right? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> that, you know, we had launched this contemporary service that was definitely what the church needed, right? Like, I, you know, it was a town of 1,100 people, but that church was growing, and, but – the average age of the citizen of Lexington, Texas at the time was like 34. It was a weirdly young town. It's why the United Methodist Church kept sending young clergy there. But we, so we needed a contemporary service. And I'm like, it's a town of 1,100 people. Where do I find a worship leader? I didn't have an answer for that question. And my leadership started hounding me. I was like, Trey, we need to launch this service. And I was the, I really wanted a contemporary service, but I was the holdout. I was like, I don't have a worship leader, y'all. I have no idea where how to find one. And someone said, just launch it. It'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, whatever.
1: Sometimes you just got to launch it. Sometimes you just got to do it. <laughs> you just got to do just it. You got to jump.
0: <laughs> so we jumped, right? And we were singing along to background tracks, which I don't love. But I had at least, like, someone up front willing to lead it. And, and like, it was, you know, the first Sunday, we had, like, 40 people in there, which was amazing. Um, and, like, the second Sunday we do it, up there's this new couple, uh, new family, um, uh, a husband, a wife, and two, two daughters. Um, and like the husband of this new family who only come like they came to the traditional service one week and they came to the contemporary service the second week It's just like the second week we've ever done it and he comes up to me and he's like hi my name's Brian yeah yeah no I remember you from last week it's good to see you again came to a different service he's like yeah I used to be a guitarist uh, or a worship leader uh, for a satellite location of a mega church in Dallas <laughs> Um, and I'm like Oh, really? <laughs> um, and it's like, and, and, and unprompted, right? Like, this is where, like, as a pastor, you have to no-sell that. You cannot leap too quickly to, can you now run my entire life? You're going to scare away the children. <laughs> um, and so I have to, like, no-sell it a little bit. Oh, really? And then he's like, could I, can I would, would you like me to help? And I'm like, essentially, and I'm not, I'm not a toucher. I wanted to hug him. <laughs> like I am not often spontaneously driven to desire physical contact with other humans. I wanted to hug that man. And I had because to like, cause, sometimes
1: cause, God just sent the exact person. That you, exact, needed. you had a, this shaped hole and then right. a this shaped person showed up, just
0: showed up. And like, you know, by the time I left, the service had become like a fixture of the congregation. And I was only there two years. Right. So in a year, um, in large part thanks to Brian. Uh you know, it was this wonderful service. Um and uh uh when uh the lady who followed me there, Reagan, who's my friend, who we're gonna have on the show at some point, because um, she's doing she's doing a church restart thing too. Um, <laughs> by the time she left, that service was like a hundred that service equaled the traditional service. Um and it was it was just amazing. And and it, and they were got it to a place where they could like, when Brian moved, because uh, he was there because he was the, like he became an elementary you know assistant principal, um, and you know, when he moved on, left the area, they could actually hire someone and and, and but like it took that like, I didn't have money to pay somebody. Right. We didn't know if that service was going to work, And then here is, as a volunteer, the exact human we needed.
1: But what would have happened if right. you hadn't just launched, right. right? Sometimes you just have to leap. Sometimes you just have to launch huh. if I hadn't and launched, try something.
0: If I hadn't launched, Brian wouldn't have heard in the announcements his first Sunday that we have a contemporary service. Right. And so Brian may not even known that we were thinking about that, right? Because we don't like – Stream of consciousness. Everything we're thinking is a leadership, just out in announcements, right? I right. been a lot much of time. Much less on the, have right. shown
1: up that second Sunday, right? Much less have volunteered, right? right? All those steps would not have happened if you had not just launched it. Sometimes you just got to ship it, right? Yeah, you just got to ship you're it, ready or not,
0: <laughs> right? And so we just we just put it out there in the world, and then the exact right person showed up. You know, it's like the you know the other story I told in the sermon where. You know, Grace Church, people the second chance. Um, dude uh, came to our church. I'm going to not use names just for reasons. Um, everyone's wonderful people in this. It's just, you know, some complicating factors. But dude shows up um, because of some legal stuff. Ends up, you know, a part of our church community um, with no expectations other than, like, he is just allowed to participate. Um And he turns out that um, at, you know, in his 30s, he had taught himself to be essentially a professional level pianist. Um, And had a decent singing voice. And um, uh, we had a worship leader quit. Um, uh, Shockingly unexpectedly. (laughs) Um, Very, very unexpectedly. It was, I think it was like right yeah. before easter right it was the sunday before easter uh, yeah. right before easter yeah, it was right before Easter. kind of a it big was, deal in the church it was, yeah. yeah like and, and like and he didn't tell me he only told the band like it was real like um but like this dude who had randomly showed up had gotten recruited in the band and then but we didn't ask him. like he was never like he just got like i didn't ask him like no like i didn't even know he was a pianist um and then he ended up worship leader and, like, ran the band. And he just, like, showed up, didn't know he was a musician, didn't know anything other than, like, hey, is it cool if he chills here? And we're like, yeah, no, it's definitely cool that he chills here. Yes. And and, and was I'll,
1: incredible. And
0: right? was incredible. Was right? incredible. Yeah. Was
1: exactly what was needed at that time in that place in that space that we – couldn't have recruited for like we couldn't have put that application out there we couldn't have hired that job description in time you know we couldn't have workshopped that you know well, there's so a te- many times that we we think we have to have all of the details figured yeah. out before we can start something you know you have to know all of the ways that every social media platform works before you just start doing something yeah but really you kind of just have to do it you, you kind of just have to
0: you kind of just have to set out for Egypt and hope there's food there, right?
1: like, right. like You just um, got to create the right? content. You just got to start the service. You just got to, you know, try the thing that you don't know if it's going to work or not, but you try it anyway.
0: I mean, I guess that is an aspect of that scripture we did not highlight in this, uh, the previous segment, right? Like, they mm-hmm. just set out, right? They right. don't know. They don't know. Or Anything there's not, can happen. There's not like a website where you went and, like, pre-registered for food, right? They just, like... Left home, it was like well, Hoping it's bad. Hoping there here. was food. in the there end was food. Of The journey, right? Yeah. And there was. Yeah, there is this mm-hmm. like, you know, you need a plan. I always say this. I'm the long. Let's be clear. I'm the long range planner of the team. Um, this, yeah, you know, this will become clear about my own proclivities. But like, I'm the long range planner. Um, and and so you need a plan, but also.
1: Uh, be ready for God to show up and do something different and unexpected within the bounds of that plan or to redirect that plan or whatever the case may be. There's so often in our ministry together that we've, I, I swear, I'm going to needle point this someday on a yeah, pillow. Yeah. The, why don't we just try just, that? Just try that. Yeah. Why don't we just try that? You well, know, just, if just it, it might work. It might not, but we can try and see what happens and see where God shows up and see, be, you know, if this is a season for this, if it's not, if it's something we tried and failed at, that's okay too. But being willing to get out there and try something and fail something and and just be willing to go on that journey and hope yeah. that there's food at the end of it. Or launch that contemporary service and hope that a worship leader shows up. Or,
0: or something. I mean, I honestly, I don't know. I, I've I've thought about I've thought about that a lot. Like what did I think was going to happen? And I think I don't I don't have an answer. It was just one of the like a whole bunch of people told me, essentially, to, you know, ship it. Let's just do it.
1: Let's you know, just do we, it.
0: <laughs> We've got energy, like we think this we know this is what we need. Let's just do it. Right? Like, don't sit here. And I was like, okay he wouldn't mind me saying this out loud a student named chuck moore he was my trustees chair um he was he is a boomer but like he was really into contemporary worship he had a decent singing voice and he's like let's just you know he and he's a real go-getting guy he had led the project to build the family life center for that church um I run into him at annual conference every year and big hug and it's always one Chuck's a great guy. And so Chuck is, is leading this charge, but like Stephanie who was my like program director, she's really pushing it. And you know, this other lady and they're like, let's just do this. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And then it, yeah. tur- you know, it turned out exactly. We, uh, when I got here, you know, to this church, we were, uh, we have a Spanish service that is our largest service. Um, and we have an English service um, that is smaller that I, I preach at. And Pastor Yeni preaches at the bigger service. Um, and technically, we have an integrated leadership, right? We are not a church. I'll say this as loudly as humanly possible whenever anyone wants to tell me. We are not one of those churches that, like, we don't host a Spanish congregation. We are one church. Somos una iglesia, right? We are one church, and this was like my big, grand speech in Spanish that I gave to our Spanish folks on day one. Is like, hi, I am also your pastor. Hola, soy un otro pastor por usted. Right, like I am also your pastor. Yenny's great. I'm not replacing Yenny. Yenny's tremendous. Um, but we're one church. But nothing in our church could happen bilingually because my Spanish is okay. I can talk. I can't translate.
1: Mine is Yeni- terrible.
0: And Yeni's English, she's working on it, but like, ain't her first language, right? She's Cuban by way of Honduras. She's only been in this country a few years, right? Her English, she's not able to translate either. Neither of us have that skill set. And so it's really hard for us to become, really work as one church, right? We would invite, we had on paper, we had Spanish-speaking members on our board. Well, they couldn't really participate in board meetings because no one could translate with them. Now, bless them, they gamely showed up anyways. <laughs> like, God love them, right? Like, I, I, they came. They did their best. But, like, it wasn't – we couldn't really work together. Um, You know, it was clear that a lot of us were real simpatico, but, like, we couldn't talk. And then, like, at the beginning of the year, at random, a, like – Hispanic ministry is academic from the East Coast. New York, Puerto Rican, um, per, more than fluent in both languages, speaks English, speaks Spanish better than I do, which isn't hard, speaks English better than I do, which also isn't hard, right? Like, but uh, like PhD level intelligence in Hispanic ministries and integrating ministries and creative ministries consulted with every, this guy named Dr. David Triverso, Um consulted with every denomination under the sun just showed up and has been here ever since. And now he's on staff as our Hispanic Ministries consultant and on staff translator. We could not afford – at that time, we could not afford a translator. He just showed up. And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, I want to get put on staff because I really want to dig in. And I'm like, that makes sense, David. Hey, can you translate this board meeting? Yeah, no problem.
1: (laughs) And I think that speaks also to this idea of, yes, God is going to provide, but also you need to open your eyes yeah. and see who's around yeah. you and see what's around you. Um, and that the importance of recognizing what is around you and who's invited to the table and why that's important. Um, because well, there's so many gifts and talents and graces out there that God is ready to use if we are willing to open our eyes and see them.
0: What ends up being this, and I, You know, I'll be honest, I'm not sure how, quote-unquote, theologically correct this statement I'm going to make is, but it is actually how I think. That one of the, like, so as a senior pastor, you're looking for the data points from God, right? We call it discernment, but, like, discernment isn't always go up onto the mountaintop and, like, stare at the sky or something. I don't know. It's not what I do. Um, A lot of it is looking at the data points available to you. And one of those key data points I use as a senior pastor is who's showing up, who are the unexpected people here, and what does that tell us? You see a puppet in the – if you're watching the video version, you see an amazing (laughs) puppet in the back.
1: I'm waiting for the comments about what what is the puppet in the back. Yeah, so I'll (laughs) tell you
0: about what the puppet in the back is. So I show up here on day one. And my – our worship director, Charles Yeager, um, for the English service, is also a professional puppet maker. And you go, huh, well, that's random. And anytime you go, huh, well, that's random, you start to – that to me is a data point of like, you know, uh, why is everything role-playing, right? Like um, in uh, (laughs) – I don't know. Clearly, You've been
1: playing some D&D lately. I've I've got
0: D&D on the brain. But like (laughs) in a lot of role-playing systems, you have, you can roll to lift the veil, right? Like you can roll to take in information, Right. right? And the senior pastor version of that is you are looking at who's already here, who just showed up, and what does that tell us about what God is trying to do here, right? Right. Just before, yeah, this is true. Um, the year before COVID, I had to rebuild the whole tech team for Grace Church, the people the second chance. It was like, the, this was already the second chance on a tech team. Um, I had to do a second chance on a tech team. And brand new volunteer who had been going to a previous church, wanted to come to us, came, a guy named Ken Diesterhoff. Well, Ken took over the whole streaming side of our ministry and pushed me to upgrade it just in time for COVID to hit and to become our, it for it to become our whole business. Mm-hmm.
1: Or right the fact that we taught a, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. A t- yeah. <laughs> right before COVID. I mean, yeah. this was like February, yeah. 2020. Yeah. 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 So like, we taught yeah. that seminar about yeah. live streaming and the importance of live streaming.
0: Yeah. So I think we were that we for COVID some, hit. I think we got to be, I don't often get to say this with confidence because it's whatever. I think we were divine providence. We were the random people for a whole bunch, I yeah, for a bunch yeah. of
1: small rural churches that need to, to live stream real faster and COVID. Yeah.
0: because yeah, seriously, three weeks before the lockdown. Yep. We did a we did a presentation on digital ministry.
1: And then the so, calls that we got of yeah, I should have come to your class yeah. instead of the other one. Help! And we went, yeah, yeah okay, we're here. Yeah, we okay, no, 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 okay,
0: we got you. We got we're you. we the we're
1: way. way. We got you. <laughs>
0: we, we we got to be and like and, and that ministry also happened because. Randomly in Tyler is Mustard Seed Ministries, um, that refurbishes computers and sells them at very reasonable prices. And so I had this like in the while we had all these electronics shortages, I had this unlimited pipeline of computers that just uh, that I could just go to Tyler and we. And she was very COVID safe. It was largely an older congregation. It's a bunch of seventy year old people refer seventy and eighty year old people refurbishing these computers, and so they were very COVID safe. And so we had like you know like. Health department level, like transfer protocols of how to get, how I went and picked up, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to set him down and then you're, I'm going to close the door and then you're going to open the door. And then it was like, fine, whatever. I just need these computers. I'm happy to keep you all safe, but we needed computers. And so, like, that ministry could only work because when there was shortages on all these parts, I had this other source, right? It was all of these pieces of God playing 3d chess, but yeah, we did this. We
1: say random, but really (laughs) this is God playing 3d chess, just like Joseph. I mean, this is all the pieces falling into place for such a time as this. Right.
0: Right. And so it told like when, you know, coming into the new year was, I I think hard for both Yenny and I, um, you know, I've been there six months and just, you know, this, this church restarting business is hard. Yenny, there's been some upheaval in the Spanish uh, service that ha- these things happen. Um, and so I think we were both at a like real frustration point. And then all of a sudden here's David. Right. And I was like, well, huh. Well, that, well that, that, that's an interesting, like, you know, m- m- my data brain, my long range planner, my looking for the will of God. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, huh? Well, that's interesting.
1: Isn't that nice that that coincidence happened that's in a world right. where we don't really believe in coincidences, we right? We well, believe you know. in divine providence, right? The, the coincidence of we needed a van and right, just well, the right van showed. You know, we we purchased a van today. It's a very yeah. exciting day.
0: But I, so I don't say this, you know, in your hearing often because I don't want it to go to your head right? But this is also in some ways the origin story of me and you working together, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I show up in Palestine, Texas, a town of 20,000 people where I don't know anybody. Um, And um, I I really need someone to help me rebuild this thing, and I can't do it. It's really clear. I'm not capable of doing it by myself, and you had shown up the year previous, and were already my youth director, right? Like, that's a that was also a data point, Right. in the same way that we also had this amazing team member who had joined the church only a year before you, you know, Sister Mm -hmm. Brandy Dudley. Um, And Brandy was there, right? Like, yes, it is that like, you know, coming to Grace and surveying the wreckage, you are doing the assessment of like, who's here that shouldn't be? Um, And why is like a Duke trained career youth director here? What are like, the very nice version of, what are you doing here? Also, <laughs> yeah. married to a guy who I definitely went to punk shows with um, in the early 2000s. Right. Um, as we, like, he was from the south, sal- way south, I was from way north, but I-45 connects everything. And so, like, Tim and I can actually pinpoint that we were at, like, the same, co- we never met at least officially, like not that we remember. But in the same
1: places yeah. at the same time. At the same time, right? Like, and then all in this tiny East Texas yeah. town. Like what and are we all doing there?
0: Another dude from that same scene eventually joined the church and we're uh-huh. just like, why are three Houston suburb kids, punky Houston suburb kids in there? At that point, we're in our early to mid thirties. Um, <laughs> why are we all here? Um, Right. But th- that is like, you know, I, that is another one of those, like looking at the data points, like mm-hmm. who here, what here feels random? What here seems out of place? Why is um, a hyper spiritual black church trained African-American lady at my punky but devastated contemporary church? I don't know. But we're gonna run with this, and she like ended up running our whole outreach, and then she ended up becoming on the coming onto the ministry team, um, and now she is herself. She's on staff at Grace now as her mm-hmm. full time job, and she has two churches that she tends to of her own. Like it's an amazing like you know, what can God do when God you let essentially when you let God play three D ch- chess in your life and your church? Yes. Right. I I, I realize I could do we, we could do these all night because it's, Right, we've like, got a lot of stories. <laughs> we've got a lot of stories because that's the like that's how it happens.
1: That's the nature of God. God shows up. When you are right? willing to be used by God, when you are willing to stay faithful to God, when you're willing to just do a thing, um, right. even if it doesn't make sense, even if you don't know what all the details are, God does God does, right? God knows. Yeah.
0: God you knows. You just
1: gotta show up. You just gotta be there. You just gotta do it.
0: That, that is as good a place as anywhere is to, uh, to, to bring this thing in for a landing. Thank you so much uh, for joining us um, again on The Goodness of God. Uh, I, really, we, I really enjoy doing the show, um, and I hope you all enjoy it too. If you have feedback or, or want to add your own story of Divine Providence, we'd love to read it on the show. Uh, just email uh, thegoodnessofgodpod um, at gmail.com goodnessofgodpod at gmail.com. I have gotten into our email server now, so soon there will be podcast at servantsnow.org. That can happen. Um, uh, But in the meantime, uh, you can email us there. Uh, this show um, is a product of the Servants Now Media Lab at Servants of Christ United Methodist Parish, um, deep in the heart of Southeast Houston. It was made possible uh, by an innovators grant by the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. Um, if you would like to find out more about what we are doing here at Servants of Christ or what happens here in the Media Lab, just go to our website, servantsnow.org. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com servantsnow, or go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com. Um, slash servants now. And in the meantime, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And we will see you next week.